0: well good morning first family happy memorial day weekend and the beginning unofficially of summer we honor memorial day not simply because it is the beginning of summer but we honor those who sacrifice their lives to protect the freedoms that we enjoy today it seems appropriate that we pause for a moment of silence to do exactly that Today, Lord Jesus, we remember the sacrifice that so many gave their lives, so many gave themselves wholly, completely, to protect the freedoms that you've blessed us with. We pause this weekend, Lord, to remember them. It isn't nearly enough, we acknowledge that. But thank you for them, Lord. Thank you for their families. Thank you for the sacrifices that they made to protect our future. In this weekend especially, Lord, it is our prayer that you would remind us such freedoms are not free. I ask, Father God, your mercy over our nation We are at a crossroads, Lord, a crossroads in every conceivable way. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would step in, awaken our land, bring revival to your people and let it start with us. Let it start with us, Jesus, let it start with us. Our prayer is that you would remind us that revival begins in the house of God, and that's us. So awaken our hearts, Lord, in order that it might awaken our nation. Guide us in this time we'll share together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we begin today, we do so kicking off our summer another way as well. We welcomed yesterday, in a cookout last night, our rec teams, our interns, and our summer residents. I want to encourage and invite those who are serving in those roles to stand, please, wherever they might be seated. You won't get to see them much this summer. They'll be scattered out all over God's creation. We bless you guys, and we want to take a moment and pray for your summer, commissioning you. Join me in that prayer, won't you? And now, Lord Jesus, these who stand before you have held up their hand and said, Lord, use me. They've given of their time, of themselves, and now they're going to give their summer. I pray you would use them, protect them, watch over them, Bless their hands, bless their minds, bless their hearts, and use their voices. Let them, Lord Jesus, be blessed in your service. And so, Lord Jesus, we look forward to what you will do in their lives this summer and the lives of all the places they'll serve. Thank you, Lord, in advance for it. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, friends. You guys can be seated. We will look forward to good news. You know, I can't help but think about one particular funeral when I think about Memorial Day, a funeral that I did almost four years ago for a friend, a retired colonel, who had asked me sometime before he died if I would honor him that way by conducting his service. I've done a lot of funerals, but this one was different. This one was at Arlington National Cemetery in Washington, D.C., When I was preparing for the service, I was reminded of just how different when I got a call from the lieutenant colonel assigned to me saying, Darren, you have 20 minutes. Don't make us stop you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There will be an officer standing in the back, Darren. He will come out and help you find the door if you run long. He had prepared me for what was waiting outside the doors. He had told me, but I didn't know how to expect what was waiting. When we exited the building, we were facing the cemetery. I brought a couple of pictures that I think will help illustrate my point. Maybe I brought them. Okay, I didn't bring them. I lied. Um, So we walked out the door and there was, there we go. There was a marching band waiting for us right outside the door. It was humbling, to say the least. They weren't passing us. They were waiting for us. There was a horse-drawn caisson that was waiting for my friend Skip. We loaded him on it, and the the lieutenant colonel assigned to me, turned to me, and said, Darren, you have a choice. You can walk with me, or you can get in the van with the family and ride along. It's about a mile and a half walk through these headstones. Let me just tell you, friends, there was no way I was getting in that band. For a guy like me, whose grandfather is a World War II veteran, father a Vietnam veteran, this kind of opportunity to serve was something I was not going to pass. We walked among those headstones. It was a long walk, the clip-clop of the horses behind us mercifully. Let's just pause there and say that. Clip-clop of those horses, the band playing ahead of us. I don't know how many funerals I've done, but not once in all of them have I had people running down to take a picture of us as we passed until that day. The thought that went through my mind is they are not photographing you, tall knucklehead. They are honoring the one that you're honoring. And they're here to honor the lives of those sacrificed for our freedom. Friends, that that service is one that I will long remember. And that service is one that I celebrate today. Not celebrate in the sense of I'm glad Skip is no longer with us, but rather I'm glad that the Lord granted me the privilege of remembering where I came from so I wouldn't forget where I'm going. Remembering where we've been, it's harder sometimes than others, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Friends, I think we are, as a nation, at a point where we've forgotten where we came from. We have lost our moorings. Up is down, down is up. Left is right, and right is left. Friends, we cannot sustain ourselves this way. That's why I wanted us to stop today. This is the first in our summer series, God is in my story, but it's the first one in the series we'll talk about where we'll talk about where we've been so that don't forget where where we're going. When we find our friend Joshua in chapter four that my friend Doug read so eloquently a moment ago, We find that they have finally, finally entered into the promised land. Finally. It has been 40 long, hard years, and lots and lots of people have died. Finally, they have crossed the Jordan River. In chapter 3, they arrive at the banks of the Jordan River, and it's swollen, Apparently the rainy season has come and it's high banks and things are looking difficult. It's not unlike back in Exodus chapter 14. In Exodus 14, they stood at the Red Sea on the front end of the Exodus. And what did God do? He divided the waters and they walked through on dry ground. You remember that story. You saw it in the movie with Charlton Heston, right? You walked through on dry ground. And now we're at the other end of the story. After all these many years, after all these decades, uh, they're finally now about to cross into the promised land. This land that God has assured them is flowing with milk and honey. This land that God has sworn to them on an oath. And yet they have a common problem. They can't get across until God intercedes, intercedes. Did you get that? God interceded on their behalf in Exodus 14. And when he did, he said, stand still and see The Spirit of God work on your behalf. The fancy word is transcendent. It means God interceding in our events and it is when God steps in and here we have the other half of it. The Jordan River dries up too. It parks itself in chapter three and dries up for the people of God to enter the promised land. It is as if Joshua is bearing witness. The people are too. Let's let's start here. A faithful witness to what got us here. That's what we have in Joshua chapter 4. You heard it when my friend Doug read it. When they'd finished crossing was when God spoke to Joshua. He told him, go back into the river and get those rocks. Rocks. Each tribe pick up a stone, get them and bring and build a memorial right here. That memorial was a witness, a witness to God's intervention on their behalf. God stepped in and changed things so that they could enter in ways that they exactly could. God divided the river and acted on their behalf. Have you ever needed God to act on your behalf? Who? Have, when haven't we needed God to act on our behalf? When haven't we needed God to show up in power? When haven't we needed God on our side? Maybe the better thing, though, is not for, uh, uh, for God to be on our side, but for, for us to be on his. This witness, it was based on God's clear instructions. And it had with it a clarifying statement. as a dry Jordan riverbed and a dry red seabed they book in. It's almost like God was giving them a souvenir, a reminder of where they'd been. A reminder of where they'd been so they didn't forget where they were going. It was a witness to God's clear instructions. They were to create a memorial. This was to stand as a testimony A testimony, not unlike the memorials that we erect. Let's talk about those for a minute because they come in a lot of different shapes and sizes. Let's start with one that we'll recognize right quick. Take a look at this one. This is the, this one isn't one that we will recognize right quick. I'm sorry I had them out of order. It's the Siloam inscription. If you travel with me to Israel, and this isn't an advertisement, but if you travel with me to Israel, we'll go to a place called Hezekiah's Tunnel. Hezekiah's Tunnel is a water source from the Gihon Spring into the Pool of Siloam. Hezekiah's Tunnel has with it a really great story. They started from two ends, opposite ends, and dug toward one another. Now, how did they meet in the middle? I couldn't begin to tell you. Can I tell you today, my friends, when they got in the middle and they found one another, they put that stone, that inscription, as a memorial. And they said, it was here that we broke through and found one another. Here's where it gets really crazy. That tunnel was the primary water source for the city of David, Jerusalem, for a long time. And people use it even today for that purpose. That tunnel was one that lots and lots of people walked through. But it wasn't until the 19th century, the 1800s, when that memorial stone was found. For centuries, people just walked past it. It wasn't that it was unimportant, it was just unnoticed. Can I tell you today, my friends, let's not let that happen to us. When it was found, it was accidentally discovered. The the essence of the memorial is quite simple. Don't forget where you came from. And that brings us to the next thing. God gave Joshua instructions. He said, hey, here's what I want you to do. Gather those rocks, carry them from the middle of the Jordan River, place them on the western bank of the shore, and erect them as a memorial. I want you to see faithful obedience to God's call. Faithful obedience. They were faithful to what God had called them to do. Get this. The Israelites did exactly what God told them to do. The Israelites did exactly what God told them to do. This is the thing. (laughs) That doesn't happen very often in the Old Testament, does it? The Israelites get it wrong a lot. Obedience. It's a powerful force, but only if I'm willing to go all the way with it. Partial obedience isn't obedience at all. Paying lip service to obedience isn't, obedience either. Living in the freedom of obedience means that I'm compelled to live in the secured blessing and knowledge, knowing that my God has a plan, and I'm a small part of it. In obedience, they put down a marker. God told them to do it, and now they went through with it. And in doing so, God opens a whole new horizon for them, one that they could not have expected or found somewhere else. This memorial would stand as a reminder, not merely to where they had been, but to the obedience and the faithfulness they were called to show going forward. They were reminded, this is a marker of a new start. And that brings me to the thing I want you to take home with you. Obedience to God begins within the heart. This is a hard reality for many of us, one that challenges us from within. It's much easier to have obedience be on the outside. It's much easier to make it look like I'm obedient than to actually be obedient. But the purpose of this memorial is not merely for themselves. It's for those who will come behind them. Which brings me to the last thing I have for you today. A faithful testimony to God for those who will come behind. There will be a time when someone will ask you, what do these stones mean? Your children will ask them. And when your children ask Tell them. Tell them. The presumption is that our children will ask. They'll want to know. And we'll have a story to tell. They'll want to know. And we'll be able to share with them about how God's power in our lives has made a difference. For the Israelites, they'll tell them about how they've wandered in the wilderness and their clothes didn't wear out and God sent food on a regular basis each and every morning, except for the Sabbath. That's the story they'll tell. I want to ask you, what story will you tell? What shall I tell my children about God? I've got five things that I want you to take home with you. Things that you shall tell your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, about who God is and about what it is that he has in mind to do going forward. Let's start here. Tell them of God's mercy. God could have wiped the people of Israel out because of their disobedience. He threatened to at least twice, but he didn't. God could have done the same for us. He could have exterminated us because of our sin. But he didn't. He delivered us here and has given us this moment. In his mercy, he's given us another day. In his mercy, he sent us rain last night. In his mercy, he has shown us favor. In his mercy, he has given us the opportunity to call on his name today. In his mercy, he's given us this great land to live in. In his mercy, he has shown us who he is. Let's make sure we tell our children about God's mercy. Here's a second thing. It'd be one thing if God were only merciful, but he's not, he's powerful too. Let's make sure we tell them about God's power. They had just witnessed it. The Jordan River, as soon as they finish, it floods back to where it was. And to the best of my knowledge, without it, running dry sometime in the last, say, 30 centuries. It's never been dry again. Can I tell you today, only God's power can split the Red Sea and the Jordan River. Only God's power can raise Jesus Christ back from the dead. Only God's power can bring healing and peace to broken and shattered lives like ours. When we talk about God's power, let's make sure we communicate it clearly. There are many who suggest that God is one among many. Don't make that mistake. God is not one among many, He is one uniquely. And in His uniqueness, can I tell you today, friends, He's unique because of His power. Here's where we pause to say thank you, God, for being powerful. I've watched as you have over the last years as God's power has been denigrated by some. Not merely in our culture, but especially so here. He's been mocked, derided, called toothless and powerless, accused of being either ineffectual, why didn't God prevent it? Or uncaring, if God really was powerful, why didn't he stop it? Can I tell you today, my friends, just because God is powerful doesn't mean I can tell him how to use it. When we see God's power, though, we remember that he, and he alone, will stand supremely over it all at the end. Don't believe me? Go to Revelation 20, 21, and 22 only he says behold i'm making everything new today friends i want to encourage you to remember god's power to tell your children about it to make sure they understand god is not one among many he is uniquely god and in his power we stand at rest power we only miss it when we don't have it right you remember the last time your electricity was out? How many times did you walk in and flip the switch anyway? A million. And the reason is we're accustomed to power. Let us not grow dull to the power of God. Here's the third thing that we're to tell our children. We're to tell them of God's covenant, the promise that he made. For them in the Old Testament, we remember the promise that he would deliver them to the The promised land. For us in the New Testament, we remember the promise that he would send a Messiah, and he did in sending Jesus. Can we rejoice today that a promise made is a promise kept? He made a promise to them, and he kept it. He made a promise to us, and he's kept it. So if he's kept those, then he'll keep that other promise to come back and fetch us. God's covenant, friends. We need to make sure our children hear it and we need to make sure we remember it. Here's the next thing that we can tell our children. We can tell them of God's faithfulness. He can be trusted. Hebrews 13 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If I stand by his word, he'll stand by me. I can rest in his faithfulness, and I can find peace therein. Which brings me to the last thing. That sort of ties the other four together. God's love. It was his love, friends, that motivated him to act. It was his love, friends, that caused him to say, I cannot leave them where they are. It was his love that said, I will step into them because they can't step into me. It was his love that said, I will send my son and allow him to die a sinner's death, even though he doesn't deserve it, in order that they might find their way to me. Oh, friends, this word love has been so abused. Some want a loving God, but only if he approves of their choices. Some want a loving God, one who will endorse whatever behavior they choose. I want you to see, putting all five of these together, that that God, a benevolent, grandfatherly, indulgent person, doesn't exist in the pages of the Bible. We have a God who is merciful, who's powerful, who's made a promise and kept it and is faithful to who he is. And his love means that I can trust him. Today, my friends, I want you to do this for me. I want you to ask yourself this question, and it's a significant one, because it's the question that really people in Joshua's time had to answer too. What is the testimony you will share about God? Who is God in your life? A week from tomorrow, we'll welcome lots of children into our building for Vacation Bible School, and we're excited about it. What is the story that we'll tell them about God? We have people that are hurting right here in our community. What's the story we'll tell them about God? Our nation is broken and we have challenges at every turn, deciding what path we will take going forward. What story will we tell them? What testimony will we tell them about our God? How will we respond? when some of them reject it. The word of God is clear. In the last days, the Bible says, there will be many who will come declaring God has changed. But he hasn't. His timelessness is exactly what it always has been. And that brings me to the last thing I want you to take home. Ask God for the strength to share your story with the next generation. Now maybe you're a grandparent and you would say but my grandchildren are grown my children obviously are grown too can I still do that yes yes you can if God has given you a pulse he's given you a purpose and he calls on you to testify to him to all those who are around you they don't have to be kinfolk to you You can do it at the restaurant simply by asking if you can pray for the waiter or waitress who's helping you. You can do it at the grocery store by stopping for conversation. You can do it and, and offer them the same hope that you have found. You can do it where you find yourself in business. Can I tell you today, friends, time has come for us to proclaim God's goodness because his judgment is waiting. If we know the train is barreling down the tracks and we say nothing, then that testimony of rocks is just that. It's just rocks. But if it's a legacy that we want to leave in the lives of others like the one that Joshua left, then let us take the stone on our shoulders and let's put it down as a testimony that we trust God today. My prayer today is that you'll respond. Not necessarily by coming down here, but that you'll say with confidence, what is the testimony that I wish to share? What is the word that I want to speak about who God is? My prayer today is this, friends. Will you declare God to the next generation? Will you let him speak through you and to you? Will you invite Jesus in to where you are in order that he might use you for his purposes? My prayer is that you'll start with that today. Let this moment be the moment you say yes to him in a whole new way. Let's pray together. Today, Lord Jesus, we remember Joshua. We remember how you used his life We remember the testimony that he reflected, that he led others to take up. Jesus, we declare ourselves in need today. We, your people, need a fresh touch from your hand. It's something we can't Engender on our own. It's something that you must do in us if it is to happen at all. My prayer is for this moment of invitation to be one that you use. Will you show your work now in each of our lives, Jesus? Do it here, Lord. Do it in us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.